Well, good morning. It is so good to see you. Happy Easter. I got to tell you, I love you, I, and I love our church. I love everything that happened this past week, starting on Palm Sunday, when we really just, just focused in on the fact that God sent Jesus to the world and how he announced him in Jerusalem when he rode in on a donkey and said, okay, this is the lamb, the sacrifice that is going to take away all the sins of the world. And historically, that was last Sunday. It was the 10th day of the first month on the Jewish calendar. That's the calendar for God's people. That's our calendar. This is spiritually the first month of our year. And then on the 14th, when Jesus was led as a lamb before the slaughter, and today, 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead. Historically, that's why we celebrate. And the date is a little different every year, but the calendar follows the, you know, the cycle of the moons. And so this, this, this is just a historical day. And it's the day that Christians celebrate you know, all over the world because this is when Jesus set us free. Amen? So, thank you for being here Friday night. You can see a little bit about what we wrote on this board about how Jesus, uh, you know, uh, what he means to us. And so, we'll be talking about that here in just a little bit. I was on my way to a Bible study last, last week, and, uh, and it was our, a Tuesday night Bible study. And, and I was flipping channels on my radio station because I hate commercials. You know, you, you know when they start, you just, I just flip to a different channel. And I landed on a classic rock station. And I heard this old Bruce Springsteen song that I had not heard in a long time called Hungry Heart. You know this song? And, uh, and so I was doing what I normally do, sing by myself in my truck, you know, and not caring what anybody thinks, <laughs> right? And I don't know all the words. You do like that? You, you sing and you don't know all the words. So I'm like... Got a wife, Jack, you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't know any of the words, doesn't make sense to anybody, but then there was this line in, in the first verse of that song that grabbed my attention. So I was early for a Bible study, so I pulled over into the public's parking lot, and I got out my phone, and I researched, I just looked at the words while the song just finished playing. I looked at the words, and this is what it said. Some of you may already know the lyrics, but he's like, got a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack. I went out for a ride, and I never went back. Like a river that don't know where it's flowing, I took a wrong turn, and I just kept going. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Everybody's got a hungry heart. I thought, man. I lost a decade of my life living out the words of that song. Like a river that don't know where it's going. Not good English, but it really rhymes well. <laughs> I took a wrong turn and I just kept going. Anybody relate to that? Is there anybody in there who says, man, that was me. And I don't even know why. I just hit this one moment in my life and I made a decision and I just kept going down that path. Next thing you know, I got to tell a lie to cover for it and then I got to hide. Next thing you know, I got secrets. Nobody knows about it and I don't know how to get out. So if that's you today, I just want you to know there's good news. <laughs> Jesus has risen from the grave and he has set you free. As I was sharing that with different people, I got this text from this lady and she said this. It just hit me how true the statement, everybody's got a hungry heart is. 
Because as human beings, we are all searching for something more. The missing piece that will bring us peace. True or false? The answer is God. He created us in us a hunger for him and the purpose and peace that only he can provide. Unfortunately, many of us never figure that out. I'm so grateful to be a daughter of God. Man, if you took a wrong turn and you just kept going, I've got good news. Jesus is the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that's who you are. And I hope that we can partner with you to discover that. And God will protect you every step along the way. Because sometimes you're like, I am so deep. Once people find out exactly where I've been or who I am, they won't love me. It, it, the major decisions will alter and change the course of my life. But God loves, covers, and protects all those who give him their whole heart. And he has promised you, if you will step out in faith, all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Anybody figure that out? Amen. Now, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not the one who took a wrong turn and just kept going. Maybe you're just like, in this COVID environment, I'm just worn out. I'm just, anybody there? Just, so I was in another Bible study this past week, and Sarah Holt gave me permission to share this with you. And she was like, you know what? It's not like I've done anything wrong or gone in the wrong direction. It's just, I'm tired. It's like, and I'm here at the house, and we're trying to make wise decisions because of everything they're doing as caretakers for her parents. And she's like, I'm finding myself that I'm depressed, and I'm down, and I'm on edge, and I'm sh too short with, you know, my husband, and, and different things like that. And she's, I'm just, and I, there are times I just want to give up. I started eating emotionally and doing different things that I know are not good habits. And I just thought, how am I going to get out of it? And she said, and the... So she, she prayed to the Lord, and she said, I was all of a sudden reminded that when I was in elementary school, I made a poor decision, and my teacher made me write 50 times on a page, I will not talk while the teacher is talking. I will not talk while the teacher is talking. She said, I had to write it over and over and over and over and over, and she said, you know what? It worked. I, I, did, I never did it again. And she said, I got to thinking, you know what? I bet it works in reverse. I bet if I write down a positive affirmation that it may stick and God may change what's happening with me on the inside. So she got out a notepad and at the top of it she wrote, I am unconditionally loved by God. And she filled the page. I am unconditionally loved by God. Unconditionally loved by God. Unconditionally loved by God. And then she got out another page. Actually two pages. And she started writing down. What does that mean to me? I'm unconditionally loved by God. What does that mean? And she started writing down. God loves everything about me. God has good plans for me. I'm highly favored by God. He goes before me and smooths out my path. He leads me beside still waters. Right? He, he restores my soul. Right? He, my cup runs over. You know, God is good to me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All these wonderful things that the Bible says. And she said, you know what? I changed. My attitude changed. My outlook changed. And, and all of a sudden, I found myself on a better path mentally. 
that started showing itself in everything, my relationships, my approach during the day. So maybe that's for you. Maybe you're just kind of stuck and the foundation of what your life was based on over this last year has crumbled around you also. And you're like, how can I just get back on track? Write down words of affirmation. Write down your gratitudes at the end of every day. I am so grateful that I am loved by my family. I am so grateful that God, whatever it is, and maybe that's a good Easter message, something simple and practical that you can do that'll get you back on track. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is alive. I loved it when we uh, did this Friday night. So at the end, Taryn was speaking in it, and he introduced, and this is going to be our series for the next several weeks, Jesus is, and we have a different word every week, and this is the one, I don't know who wrote it, but they wrote it in the perfect place, Jesus is alive, and we're going to talk about that one today. But I just love, this is you. This is your relationship with God. And as we sang those songs and as we just worshiped and you came up and grabbed a different marker and started writing things down, I just love this. You know, Jesus is everything to me. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's my friend. He's light in the darkness. He's my husband and my hope. He's my savior, unending love. Several people just couldn't come up with one, so they wrote lists. He's my king, my lord, my savior, my friend. He's my mentor, my light, my lamp. You are my guide in life. You know, he is the name of the stars and the lover of my soul. He's my savior, my friend, my companion. And he never leaves me. And hope is written. Several people just wrote hope, you know, all over the board. My favorite hope is this one right here. I got this little bitty hope. I like this one too. He is the peanut butter to my jelly. <laughs> what is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? How has he changed your life? And what difference does it make? Does it, does it change you from the inside out? Has it made its way into the way you communicate with people? Your joy every day as you go to work. The way you treat and love your enemies. Jesus is alive. And I wanted to talk about that today. And so I started thinking, okay, where am I going to go? What do I want to share with people? And really, I just want to give you one chapter in the Bible. And all it does is talk about the resurrection. I don't know what your theology of the resurrection is. I don't know how it was shaped in your mind. I don't know what you believe about it. And if someone came up to you and said, tell me about the hope that is within you about the resurrection. Where would you turn? Where would you go? I know you can go to the Gospels and you can get a pretty good account, you know, and, and put together the, you know, chronologically the events that happened around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But 1 Corinthians 15 is the one chapter in the Bible where all Paul talks about is the resurrection. What it means. How you explain it to somebody who's never heard it or doesn't believe it. And 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote it to this church in Corinth where, you know, all the people from Greece were there and they were Gnostics. If you don't know anything about Gnosticism, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They thought spirit was good, physical is evil and bad. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They called it the doctrine of swines. And so they said there's no way something that spiritual is going to come and inhabit something physical and transform it, especially bringing it back to life. And so how do you explain the resurrection to people who don't believe, don't want to believe? And call it 
dirty and pathetic in its theology. So that's where Paul starts. And so, is it okay with you if all I do is read the word of the Lord? <laughs> I mean, I rarely, you know, I mean, well, I talk about a lot of things and try to tell a whole lot of stories. But today, I just want to give you the words of Paul as it relates to the resurrection. And, and Paul does his best to help them understand how does that, how can it be that we can be resurrected and come back into a new life? And so Paul just starts, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So I'm reading out of the NIV. So if you want to get your Bible apps and on your phone and follow along or just open up your Bibles. So he uses this word gospel. Now, what is the gospel? Get the good news. What's the good news? Three simple things. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's all the gospel is. So when you see this word, and he says, I preach the gospel to you. I preach to you that Jesus came down this earth. He lived as, as God's son among us. He died, was buried, and rose on the third day. And that's what it means by the gospel. I preached it to you in, 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 uh, in which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Don't give up. You're believing in it. But don't stop. And if you don't stop, something amazing is going to happen to you in the end. If you hold firm to this belief, then God's going to do something in you that is amazing and you do not want to miss it. And if you wondered what he meant by gospel, he explains it starting in verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. There it is. I mean, it's simply the gospel right there. But Paul said, I received it. And that's your first step. First of all, do you believe that Jesus lived, that he was God's son, that he came to earth, that he lived a perfect life? He pointed us to the Father, was rejected by men, was killed, buried, and rose on the third day. Paul said, I believe it, I understand it, it was witnessed, and I received it, meaning that I want to receive the death, burial, and resurrection, the blood of Jesus. I want it to cover my sin. And so your beginning, your first point is to receive it. Lord God, I don't want to live my life the way I've been living anymore. I don't want to take a wrong turn and just keep going. I want to turn to you. I repent. I change. I want to confess Jesus before men, and I want you to save my soul. And you receive it. And when you do, amazing things begin to happen. And then he says there are a whole bunch of witnesses to it, starting in verse 5. And he appeared to Peter... Or Cephas is the same person. And then to the 12, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Some have, some have died. Some are still alive. As he's, and then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. So Paul's like, I wasn't around. I didn't get to follow Jesus. In fact, as all that became popular, he went around and started killing Christians and persecuting the church. But he's like, and, and this is not, a, you know, a, an exhaustive list. He's just listing different people because, you know, Jesus first showed himself, as Tyler read earlier, to the women, you know, at the tomb. 
And, and so there are witnesses. This is real. And these people are still around, Paul was saying, to tell you exactly what happened. If you'll just listen. And then, and then it's like he took a pause and he's like, I, I can't even believe that I'm here, that, that he reached out to me. Look at what he said in verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Anybody feel that? I don't deserve the grace of God. I don't deserve this path of salvation. I don't deserve new life because the way I have lived has either made a mockery out of the things of Jesus or is deserving of death. And Paul's like, that's me. But by the grace of God, he pop-eyed it out. I am what I am. Right? I am what I am. I am what God has given me. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've reached the point of maturity to where you now realize I have nothing if I don't have God. I have a job because of God. I have a spouse because of God. I have a family because of God. I have a family, a church family. I have a home. I have, what do I have? Everything I have, I have because of God. Because of what he, his grace to me and his grace to you. And then, starting in verse 12, he's, now he turns his attention to these people who don't believe. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? We live around people today who don't believe it, right? How can someone say, and maybe you didn't, ra- you, you know, you weren't raised in a home that was a spiritual home that taught you the things of God and these ideas and concepts and doctrines. So you're like, well, I do still struggle with it a little bit and I want to learn how to explain it. And so they're like, I, I don't know, we don't get it and we don't believe it. And so Paul says, well, let's just go down that path for a minute. Because they, they were Gnostics. They, were, they believed in something. They were trying to live a spiritual life, but they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so he says, okay, let's just follow this progression. First, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ has not been raised. So if there's no real resurrection, then Jesus was not raised from the dead. And... If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Why are you here? If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then everything in this book, everything that I'm reading is is not true. It's useless. And so is your faith in it. And he continues. More than that, we are all then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. In other words, we're all liars. If Jesus is not raised, then then not only is your faith in vain, you're a liar. You're a false witness, and so is God, because God is the one who did it, and the one who claimed it, and the one who told us. And so... You're following a God that's a liar if Christ is not raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sin. You have no hope. God hasn't forgiven you of anything. You might feel different. You might feel better. But it's, it's fake. It's false. It's not true. Then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Nobody is saved. 
If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Woo. If the only hope you have is the hope of how you're living this life, and that's all you live for, he's saying, that is a sad life. Why are you here? And then, midway through the chapter, I'm going to go over to verse 30, he continues. And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? He's like, I die every day. And I've fought these wild beasts in Ephesus, and I don't get it. I mean, what have I gained? Why do you suffer for Christ if he was never raised from the dead, and you're still in your sin, and your faith is futile, and you're a false witness, and God is a liar, and your life is to be pitied, why are you here? Why do we keep struggling? He said, so then, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Go home. Just live for yourself alone. Stop serving people who are hurting. Stop rescuing children who need a home. Stop giving to the poor. None of that matters. Just live only for yourself if Jesus is not raised. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He's like, but I have good news for you. It's true. It's true. And now he's going to tell you this. Because Jesus is alive, you will be changed and live forever. He's like, I'm, I'm just going to tell you something. And, and you're not going to feel like you deserve it. But, but whether you want to believe it or not, it is true. And there are too many witnesses. And there's too much evidence. And you just need to know Jesus Christ lived, was buried, and rose on the third day. And he said, now I'm going to tell you what that means in your life. And I'm going to tell you. He's like, I'm and he's talking to people who don't believe it. And they're like, how can it be? Just explain it to me. So, verse 21. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. What are you talking about? He's like, see, they all believed that because of Adam... And Eve, and how they ate of the fruit in the garden, that there was a curse on all the world that every man would sin. And they had no problem believing that through Adam, there was the curse of sin all over life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Do you believe that there is a curse of sin on the world? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. He's like, if you have no problem believing that, then why do you have a hard time believing that by one man there can be new life? And they didn't know how to answer him. They're like, well, uh, you know, I don't know. So there is new life. But each has his own turn. He's going to give you the order. The first one who was resurrected was Christ. It happened first in him. That's where it started. That was the beginning point. Today in history, 2,000 years ago, this is when resurrected life began. It happened in Christ. And then the first fruits, that is Noah and Abraham and Moses and Joshua and all the prophets and all of God's people, the Jewish nation, those who brought to us this view that one day there will be a Messiah. The first fruits. And then when he comes, those who belong to him, that's us. When he comes back, those of us who claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he's like, I'm coming for you. 
And then in the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. There is an evil force in this world, amen? Seeking to devour souls, amen? Satan seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. So one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to end that. He is going to put an end and he will defeat the enemy. He will defeat Satan. And then he says, and for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his foot. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now people knew we're caught up in the middle of that right now. There is still an enemy seeking and devouring families right? There is still death, right? You know, I was just talking to one of our elders who uh, was there as his brother-in-law passed away this past week. And, you know, when you, when you experience and you watch the effect that death has on family and on life, and we begin to think, my goodness, is death final? But I'm here to tell you, as Paul's going to talk about, death is not final. Death is a doorway to something greater. And one day Jesus will defeat death and then we're all going to experience something different. New life. And so verse 35, but someone may ask, how can the dead be raised and with what kind of body will they come? Because they're, they're still having a hard time. I mean, look at my body. I mean, look at this. How can this be raised? And they were confusing it, by the way, because of Lazarus. And now they saw Lazarus and they knew. Lazarus did not have resurrection. Lazarus was resuscitated. Oh yeah, he was dead and Jesus brought him back to life. But he brought him back to his same physical body. Right? Did Lazarus have to die again, yes or no? Yes. So he was brought back to life, but to the same body. One day, Lazarus will be resurrected as Jesus will. He will have a new body and a new life just like us. And he's like, well, what kind of body? And they had a hard time. And he's like, do you have a hard time believing that God can do this? How foolish. And then he gives his first example of a seed. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So he's talking about farmers. You take a seed, you put it in the ground, and what comes up does not look like a seed. It looks very different. When you sow, you do not plant the body that it will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. He's like, you do not have a hard time believing that you can take this little kernel, this little seed of something, bury it in dirt, water it a little bit, let some sun shine on it, and what comes out came out of that seed. As that seed began to shed its skin and produce something different, you have no problem believing in that. And that's what's going to happen to you. It's what's going to happen to me. Now, we already see it spiritually. For those of you who lived one way, like Paul was saying he did, and then you came to know Jesus, and now you're living different, and people look at you, and they're like, man, what changed in you? You're sweeter. You don't curse anymore. You're not yelling and screaming. You don't have these fits of anger and rage and what changed in you? And you're like, man, I met, I met my Savior and he just radically altered my life, right? And, and you are spiritually different. And then he goes on. He's like, listen, but God gives a body as he determined to each kind. He gives his own body. 
The flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals another, birds another, and fish another. Isn't that weird? I mean, God is, a, you know, he, he created all kinds of skin to go on all kinds of animals. We do not have feathers like a bird or scales like a fish or a hard shell like a turtle or an alligator. You know, I kind of like my skin. But he's like, your skin, even though it's different, is wearing out, isn't it? I mean, the older you get, okay, you wait. You'll be my age one day. (laughs) There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly body is one kind. The splendor of the earthly bodies is another. God's going to transform you into a spiritual body, and it's going to be different than what you have covering you now. The sun has one kind of splendor. The moon has a different kind of splendor. And so do the stars. And the stars, one differs from another. It's like, God has done this with everything in creation. Do you have a hard time believing that the fish have scales and birds have feathers and you have a different kind of skin and that the sun is very different on its surface than the earth or the moon or the stars? We're like, well, no, we get that. Then don't you get it that God has the power to give you a spiritual body different than the one you've got? And then he delivers his truth. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it's raised imperishable. In other words, we sin, we mess up, our body is decaying, it's getting old, it's, it's, it's you know, it's dying. But what the new skin you're going to have is not going to perish. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. We are susceptible to temptation and sin, and we do everything wrong, but one day... In your new body, you will not sin. Temptation is going to be destroyed. And you're thinking, man, I'm so weak now. When will I ever lose my desire to say or do the wrong thing? He's like, in the future, you won't have to worry about it. Because in your new body, you won't be tempted anymore. You will live in glory. It's sown in weakness and raised in power. We're getting older. My wife has had three knee replacement surgeries. You know, and so she's like, oh my goodness, I'm 60 years old and I'm going to be stuck with these knees the rest of my life. And it's, it's hard to take. We're getting older, amen? But one day you will have a powerful body, a spiritual body that will not wear out or decay. And it's sown in his natural body and it's raised as a spiritual body. Verse 30, 51 So listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we would all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. One day, your body is going to go into the ground, but your soul is going to live, and God is going to open up what has been containing your soul and your spirit. And he's going to make it alive. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? 
One day you will be changed. And you say, I don't deserve it. It does not matter. Jesus died for you and you get it because you belong to him. And it is to his glory. He cannot wait to present you to God. Whole, holy, and spiritual. Thanks be to God. He has given us the victory through Christ our Lord. So therefore, my brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Don't give up. God began a good work in you and he's going to bring it to completion. Keep serving. Keep striving. Keep going. Keep on. God has prepared a place for you. And he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will be also. Jesus is alive. Amen. And we are changed and you will live forever. Lord God.